What's up, everybody? Welcome to another exciting episode of everybody's favorite mediocre program. This podcast is just okay. I'm your host, Nick Rose. And that is the sound of silence. I am here to tell you guys, don't go out tonight, for it's bound to take your life. There's a bad moon on the rise. Let's hit the theme. everybody what is going on um as you may have noticed i'm flying solo today and um i don't know i was kind of bummed about that uh we we're we we're kind of going through the whole uh i don't know there's this like preteen syndrome where um every now and then paul kind of turns into a werewolf and we have to chain him into his room so that's what's happening tonight and um we wish him the best he's doing great Uh, It is a school night. He's sleeping. Um, But anyway, no, we had a great show planned and things just kind of fell through. And so I thought, you know, the show must go on. And so here we are. Here I am fulfilling my duties as a podcast host to bring you uh, the crowd a week's worth of entertainment, um, so to speak. So here we are, man. What's uh, what's been going on? Let's see. uh, The week... Um, not a whole lot. I always say that, but not a whole lot. We've been watching a lot of movies, trying to catch up on movies, actually. Um, I've been extremely tired. There's something in the air, something going on with the moon or the stars or whatever you want to call it, but something's been off and I've been feeling a little down lately, a little bit uh, down on myself, just not kind of not feeling right. And I know everyone else around me is kind of feeling the same way. Um, we went out and we played uh we played D and D with our friends the other night and it was the same thing where it's like we don't know if uh <clears throat> we're feeling it and uh I don't know. I know Paul's been a little bit off and he didn't really want to come on the show today. Um he's doing great and uh he actually came up with a really amazing um subject that he wanted to talk about tonight. Uh we're we're down to the last few days, or yeah, I guess few days before our big secret trip to Disney World. And so he wanted to do a show tonight based on Disney and um, haunted uh, haunted sightings at Disney. And I thought that was a really cool um, concept, except it fell through. He didn't want to do it. And uh, here we are. So I'm putting a show together, um, kind of winging it, really. So... Um, I guess I can give the weekly update. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. We've been watching, my wife and I have been watching the, uh, House of Dragons, um, on HBO, the, the Game of Thrones prequel takes place a little over 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones. Um, it's done really well and, um, I mean, it's shot well, the story's awesome and Matt Smith, um, who we all know and love as the 11th Doctor in Doctor Who, um, he is, he's such a bad guy in the show. And it's so, it's so crazy to see that contrast. He's such a, such a good actor, but, um, we were watching that, uh, we saw, we saw the new Pinocchio <clears throat> maybe I'll bring that up to Paul next time. Um, I want to know his thoughts on it. I loved it. I thought it was really good. And then, um, 
the next night, my wife and I watched Elvis, and I gotta say that movie was amazing. They they did such a great job on it, and I'm a I'm a big Elvis fan. I I've got um the complete his complete uh, works his box set. There's like 738 songs, including all the gospel albums, and um, <clears throat> I mean paved the way for for music um, as it is today and. Uh, the the movie it was it had a lot of sad elements in it because of of his manager and the way that he had treated him and I don't know it was uh it was well done and the kid that played him it's like there were parts of the movie where it was hard to tell that wasn't really Elvis and uh, man he he did a phenomenal job I I can't say enough good things about it uh, the soundtrack was amazing um, and it goes all the way up to his very last performance and. Um, which I've also got that. I've got an MP3 of that as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it, man. Catching up, watching some movies, getting ready for the spooky season. Um, haven't really done a lot of horror stuff um, lately. We watched Sinister uh, recently with Paul. But um, yeah, not too much, not too much going on. Just kind of waiting the days out and planning and getting our stuff ready for our secret vacation to surprise Lily. And, uh, <clears throat> sorry, uh, work, uh, work's a big thing. I'm kind of getting over a little bit of a cold. Um, I've had it for like four days, but uh, not too bad. You know, um, it's, it's weird here. It's, it, it's weird. I haven't done a solo show in a really long time. Um, how do I keep you guys entertained? Right? Well, uh, the way I know how to do it is to go back to the old format way back in the day. Um, Maybe play a song. That's something I haven't done in a really long time. So uh, let's let's do a song, and then we'll get into our top ten. I got a really spooky one for you, so we're still sticking with the paranormal stuff. And um, here we go. I'll see you in a few minutes. When the summer dies, severing the ties, I'm with you alone.
you call a beautiful and haunting song. Um, I wish I had written it, uh, but I didn't. But it was so fun to record and sing, and it's one of my favorites on the album. Uh, That's a song by Ghost called uh, Darkness at the Heart of My Love off their new album Impera, and I love it. It's phenomenal, and um, I hope to do some more Ghost songs in the future, especially with uh, Paul, because he can rock the drums pretty hard on some of these songs, and the problem is getting the drums recorded properly into the computer here so we can do that um anyway <clears throat> speaking of dark uh dark things here and paranormal like we do um i got a creepy uh top 10 for you guys this week this is the top 10 dark inspirations for great american writers so i thought that was pretty cool because hey who doesn't love to read right and especially uh around spooky seasons so um i'll, I'll start off by saying in 1877 Louisa May Alcott believed the author, I'm sorry, let me go back and read that again. In 1877, Louisa May Alcott, beloved author of the classic novel Little Women, noted that she had just finished writing an entirely different kind of story, a dark and lurid 
lurid romance that she planned to publish under a pseudonym. <clears throat> she said, It has been simmering since I read Faust last year, she wrote, um, and enjoyed doing it, being tired of providing moral pap for the young. Over the years, many of America's great writers, including a few surprising ones like Alcott, have explored the dark, the disturbing, and the macabre. Uh, those authors often base their stories on real people, places, or events, and in many cases, these source materials were just as unsettling as the tales they inspired. So, <clears throat> sorry, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm getting over a cold. I don't mean to keep uh, coughing into the mic there. Uh, number 10 on the list, this is how we start, uh, Washington Irving and His Headless Horseman. Published in 1820, Washington Irving's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow features the small village of Terrytown, which is terrorized by a headless horseman. Because it had only been a few years since the end of the American Revolution, the villagers believed the specter is the ghost of a soldier, possibly one of Britain's hired Hessian, Hessian troops who had been decapitated by a cannonball. If Irvin was seeking inspiration for a ghost story, he could not have done better than the real-life village of Terrytown, New York, where stories of a headless trooper had been making the rounds for years. A first-hand account of the Battle of White Plains fought just eight miles from the village reveals that during the fighting, a shot from the American cannon took off the head of a Hessian artilleryman. A legend also told the story of a local resident whose life was saved by a German mercenary during a raid. And when the villagers' family discovered a headless Hessian corpse sometimes later, sometime later, they believed it was the same soldier and laid him to rest without a head in the burial ground at the local old church. So, pretty creepy. <clears throat> Number nine, Charlotte Perkins Gilman and a Mental Breakdown. After three years of suffering from a variety of mental health issues, writer Charlotte Perkins Gilman sought help from a renowned physician who specialized in nerv nervous diseases. As this was the 19th century, Gilman was sent home on what was known as a rest cure in, with orders to have only two hours of intellectual stimulation per day. She was to never touch a pen or pencil again. Uh, she quoted here, I went home and obeyed those directions for some three months and came so near the borderline of utter mental ruin that I could see over. Uh, Gilman's experience led her to write the yellow wallpaper in which a woman is put on rest cure as a treatment for postpartum depression with nothing but the room's hideous yellow wallpaper to stimulate her mind. Over time, the woman in Gilman's story becomes increasingly obsessed with the wallpaper's designs. She begins to suspect that a woman is trapped behind the patterns in the wallpaper and must be freed, but finally comes to believe that she and the trapped woman are one and the same. Gilman reportedly sent a copy of her published novel to her doctor, but he never responded. Uh, number eight, Nathaniel Hawthorne's unfortunate family tree. Nathaniel Hawthorne was so haunted by his family's bloody legacy in Salem, Massachusetts, that he changed the spelling of his last name to distance himself from his ancestors. It started with his great-great-great-grandfather, William Hawthorne, a judge and magistrate known for having Quaker women whipped naked in the streets. Shame, right? Like Game of Thrones? Sorry. Uh, William's son, John Hawthorne, also grew up to be a magistrate. <clears throat> In 1692, he was named as a chief examiner in the Salem Witch Trials, during which he found over 100 women guilty of practicing witchcraft. When the family began to lose its wealth and influence over the generations, some, including Nathaniel Hawthorne, felt as though they had been cursed for William and John's actions. Hawthorne drew on his ancestors' misdeeds and the personal remorse he felt to write his novel, The House of the Seven Gables. In it, he wove a story of guilt and retribution and visited topics like 
that harkened back to his family's dark past, like witchcraft, wrongful executions, and even a family curse. Number seven, <clears throat> Octavia E. Butler's Fear of Flies. Uh, science fiction author Octavia E. Butler was planning a trip to the Amazon rainforest to conduct research for her renowned Xenogenesis series, but um, she couldn't shake the thought of the insects she might encounter there. She was particularly worried about the bot fly, which lays its eggs in the bite marks left by other insects so its larvae have easy access to food after they hatch. I found the idea of a maggot living and growing under my skin, eating my flesh as it grew, to be so intolerable, so terrifying, that I didn't know how I could stand it if it happened to me, she later wrote, noting that if she became infected, she would need to wait for a doctor to remove it or let the fly complete its larval stage and crawl out. That's pretty creepy. Uh, Butler drew on this fear to write her award-winning novelette, Bloodchild, in which an insect-like alien race uses humans, including human males, as hosts for their eggs. Writing Bloodchild didn't make me like botflies, she later wrote, but for a while, it made them seem more interesting than horrifying. So, that's a pretty good way to kind of get over your fear, right? <clears throat> anyway, number six, H.P. Lovecraft's Sleep Paralysis. Uh, growing up as a sickly child, horror writer H.P. Lovecraft experienced terrifying dreams during his frequent illnesses. Researchers now believe that he suffered from severe sleep paralysis, which would explain why his dreams were so disturbingly vivid and dark. Uh, one of the more horrifying products of these nightmares was a legion of faceless devil-like creatures with curved horns, bat-like wings, and barbed tails that invaded his room to terrorize him in his sleep. Eventually, <clears throat> Lovecraft put words uh, to his recurring dream and wrote the poem Night Gaunts, recounting how the creatures snatched me off on monstrous voyagings, uh, heedless of all the cries I try to make. <clears throat> The Night Gaunts also later appeared in Lovecraft's novella The Dream Quest of the Unknown Kadath, which the author revealing possibly from his own experience that the gargoyle-like beasts are known to haunt most persistently, persistently the dreams of those who think too often of them. That's pretty creepy, and we, we did an episode a while back about sleep paralysis demons and stuff like that, so I know it's a, it's a pretty common thing, and it's pretty, pretty scary. <clears throat> Number five, Mary Jane Ward and the Psych Hospital. Uh, Mary Jane Ward was happily was a happily married woman and author of two successful novels when, in her late 30s, she suddenly lost the ability to speak coherently. Diagnosed with schizophrenia, although it may have been bipolar depression, she was involuntarily admitted to Rockland State Hospital in Orangeburg, New York in 1941. The hospital was overcrowded and disease-ridden, and staff members frequently subjected patients to horrific treatments, including lobotomies, electroshock treatment, and insulin shock therapy. Those who, like Ward, had been diagnosed with schizophrenia received hydrotherapy, which involved plunging them into freezing water to calm their nerves. After spending several months at Rockland, Ward, at Rockland, Ward was discharged and went on to write her novel Snake Pit, which she based on her experiences. The book exposed the poor treatment that many psychiatric patients received in psychiatric institutions, played a key role in mental hospital reform, and even inspired the novel One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So, that's pretty crazy. Number four, <clears throat> Edgar Allan Poe and a Pair of Corpses. Um, Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher tells the story of the reclusive Roderick Usher, who lives at his ancestral estate with his twin sister, Madeline, his only surviving family member. In the book, Madeline is mistakenly buried alive in the family vault, but claws her way out and attacks Roderick in an act that kills them both. 
Moments later, the house splits in two and sinks into the lake. Poe is thought to have had drawn inspiration for his story from a prominent house in his hometown of Boston, Massachusetts. The mansion was built in 1684 by prominent publisher Hezekiah Usher Jr. near what is now Boston Common. It was passed down through many owners over the years until 1830 when it was either demolished or moved to a new location. <clears throat> Legend holds that the crews working to remove or tear down the house discovered a pair of skeletons beneath it, locked in an embrace, and trapped behind a rusted iron gate. In some retellings, the remains are said to have belonged to a sailor and the wife of one of the mansion's many owners who had discovered and imprisoned them in their meeting place. Number three, Louisa May Alcott, writer and nurse. So five years, this is what we uh, talked about at the beginning here. Five years before publishing Little Women, writer Louisa May Alcott traded her quill for a roll of gauze, volunteering as a nurse for the Union Army. Working around the clock, she treated a number of soldiers with horrific and often fatal wounds. Several weeks in, Alcott developed typhoid pneumonia, which her colleagues treated with heavy, heavy doses of mercury. Fading in and out of consciousness, she suffered terrifying hallucinations, even imagining that she was being stoned and burned for practicing witchcraft. Though she was determined to stay and recover, Alcott was eventually forced to return home. Alcott had written several letters home during her time in the capital, and in 1863, she began repurposing those as fictionalized sketches of one tri Tribulation Periwinkle, a stand-in for Alcott, who became a Civil War nurse and soon found herself wrapping bloody wounds and consoling dying soldiers. These accounts were published in Hospital Sketches. Alcott went on to have a great success as a writer, but never fully recovered from her illness. <clears throat> Number two, Mark Twain and a Blood Feud. Uh, the dark sequel to Mark Twain's classic tale of Tom Sawyer, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, opens with a young Huck escaping his abusive alcoholic father by faking his own murder. Uh, once free, he sets off down the Mississippi River on a journey marked by haunting and grotesque encounters. Huck eventually meets the Grangerfold family, which has been locked in a blood feud with the neighboring Shepherdson clan for some 30 years, for reasons no one can remember. Twain may have based this encounter on the Darnell Lane feud in which two Southern families spent decades butchering each other, even though neither of them could pinpoint their first disagreement. Uh, while working on a steamboat, working as a steamboat captain, Twain nearly ran across a riverside shootout between the two families. He later used the location as the setting for the Grangerfords' final bloody showdown with their rivals, which Huck witnesses in horror. I wished I hadn't ever seen such things, Huck tells the reader. I ain't ever going to get shut of them. Lots of times I dream about them. So that's pretty crazy right there, how uh, life imitates art, or uh, the other way around. Anyway, <clears throat> number one, Harper Lee's Reclusive Neighbor. Uh, when the novel To Kill a Mockingbird opens, Alfred Boo Radley has not been seen outside for 15 years since a judge agreed to release him into his father's custody after a run-in with the law. Though the local children have never met Boo, they imagine him as a malevolent phantom, or giant with blood-stained hands who eats squirrels and cats when he is not chained to his own bed. Uh, Lee based much of her novel on her experiences growing up in Monroeville, Alabama. Just a few doors down from her childhood house is the former home of Alfred son Bulware Jr., who was arrested as a teenager for stealing cigarettes. The boy was spared from reform school by his father, who promised the judge that there would be no more incidents if he could take him home. Despite running to his family, Bulware was not free. While he was not chained to his bed, the boy was forbidden by his father from ever leaving the house again by himself. 
Unlike the fictional Radley, he often snuck out with his friends at first, but over the years he slowly became a recluse, staying mostly in his home until suffering an early death in 1952. So those are are some pretty crazy stories, Um, background stories of uh, famous tales that you may or may not know. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, Well, that's my list. Um, I don't really have too much more to add um, this time around. It's kind of on a whim. But I do enjoy doing the show. I love having this. And hopefully I can get Paul back next time um, if he's feeling more like himself. Because, you know, we all have off days. So we wish him the best. Miss you, Paul. Um, I know he does listen to the show every week and he loves uh, hearing himself. So uh, this this one goes out to him. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, um, I guess I, I am kind of working on a, a project or I'm trying to work on a project. I'm always... I'm always doing some kind of weird artsy thing. Um, I'm, you know, I'm doing my pins again. I got some glow in the dark pins. Uh, those are turning out pretty good. I do custom, custom things with those. But uh, a few years ago, I wrote a book. I wrote a book called "A Lot of Rock and a Little Roll," which is for sale on Amazon. And uh, it's uh, it's like a biography, um, an, an autobiography of my time as a teenage musician. Um, <clears throat> There were some chapters omitted from the final draft, uh, some intentional, some not intentional, and uh, I would love to reinsert those or, or write new versions of those chapters and put them back in the book and change some things, edit some stuff out, um, you know, kind of fix it up a little bit and give it a second draft uh, once over if anyone would be interested in such a thing. Um, right after that, I came out with a book called, uh, oh man, it's got a long title. It's called This Podcast is Just Okay Presents Summertime Fun, an adult coloring book for all. And uh, I did a coloring book and that, that turned out pretty well too. Uh, it's a lot of pictures of me as the cat in the cat mask. And uh, it'd be cool to get Paul in there too, um, to do like a sequel to that. But um, I did have a project I'm trying to work on. I wanted it to be out before Halloween, but it does not look like that's going to happen. Um, I've been a little bit behind on things. Basically, <clears throat> I don't know if I, I mentioned it on a previous episode. I might have. I'm working on a new another book. And what I need uh, from the listeners and for anyone else that wants to participate in this one, it's more like a, a true confessions type book. Except I want people to confess and tell me their accounts of true paranormal experiences. And then I'm going to turn that into a book. So um, right now I've got a few stories that I'm working on that um, I, I've put together in this book, but it's not very long yet. And I wanted this whole big, um, I don't know, cohesive uh, storytelling like anthology where I have all these different stories um, about people who have experienced paranormal activities. And I think that would be really cool. So I'm, I'm working on that. It's, it's an un... I don't have a title for it yet, um, but <clears throat> if all goes well, hopefully that will be out at a certain point sometime soon. Um, I need to, you know, kick things in gear, stop watching so many movies and kind of get down and start typing because uh, I haven't done that in a while and I'd like to come up with another book and um, entertain everybody because, you know, like I said, I'm always doing some kind of art thing, whether it be music or the books or the pins or uh, Paul and I have done stop motion movies and, uh, comic books. We've, we've created comic books and, 
it, it's all fun. I, I love being able to do things and to create because that's what we do here is create. And um, I always want to push that on people. If you, uh, if, you don't, if you don't know what to do and you're lost in life, man, come up with a project. Create something. Um, <clears throat> whether it's food or a, a goofy book or um, a podcast even like this one. Um, you know, what have you. Um, I don't have a, a joke or a trivia today, um, but I will say that if anyone wants to write to me, they can write at uh, justokpod at gmail.com. Um, I'm also at uh, justokpodcast on Twitter, which I'm hardly ever on. Uh, this podcast is just okay is on Instagram, Facebook, and the uh, podcast itself is on uh, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, iTunes, Audible, and Amazon Music. So all you got to do is search up this podcast is dot 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 just okay. Um, we'll be there with all your uh, podcast loving needs. So um, with that kind of qu- uh, quick show here, uh, hope you got a lot out of it. I love the, the uh, top 10 and um, hopefully we can get Paul back next week. So for now, uh, I guess we'll sign off like always. Have yourselves a week and I will see you guys next time.